Hi, this is Dr. Randy Bach. Uh, I'm uh, here today with a conversation with uh, Human Hamati, MD, PhD. Uh, he's, I believe, out in the LA area. Uh, he's become um, rather an interesting follow of mine on Twitter. Uh, he posts on, on COVID uh, items, on medical freedom, personal freedom, and so forth. Um, I probably did uh, got your name slightly wrong. I apologize for that. Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and and you know how 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 you've been able to navigate our last uh, crisis. Yeah, uh, thanks, Randy, so much for having me on. Uh, pleasure to be here and good to meet you and uh, virtually at least. Uh, so I I'm based in Los Angeles. Um, I'm a I'm an MD like you said, but I'm also uh, a PhD and I focus most of my time in biomedical research with an emphasis on clinical trials, uh, including on adults as well as in children. And, and so I'm well-versed in a lot of these issues of informed consent, as well as an analysis of medical data that have become uh, something that most people were unaware of at all before COVID hit and now are able to cite uh, and, and interpret uh, better than some experts can. Um, and many don't know how to, but they think they can. And so that's where some of the problems arise. Um, I never intended to become a voice for anything uh, in the public sphere. I, I had always been a private person Focus just doing my work, uh, you know, helping try to, you know, advance lives, advance vision, uh, and help other people, uh, really. And then when COVID hit, uh, the world really changed. And I realized that there were a lot of policies being enacted, whether that be school shutdowns, whether that be uh, various kinds of uh, societal lockdowns, mandates, uh, et cetera, that were really causing a lot of harm with no risk benefit analysis and also taking away individual freedoms. And then over the last few years, I've watched it get even worse as, as uh, people have been silenced, censored, uh, shamed, ridiculed, and excluded from society, not even for going against what's been said and done, but simply for questioning it. And I found uh, really a duty on my end to try to stand up for that and, and try to uh, encourage open dialogue, encourage questioning of what we believe is true, uh, and, and to try to uh, advocate for individual freedom above all else. Well, that's that's... Kind of right up my alley, you know. I I think that uh, you know I try to reiterate that science is, is really two things. Science is a body of knowledge, and science is a scientific process. And you know, for quite some time, you know, Al Gore uh, at one point, you know, the science is settled. That that's that's an inimical, contradictory, oxymoronic, and moronic uh, phrase because science is never settled. Uh, you know, even Newtonian physics, which you know, for the most part, we live in our world as you know of, of Newtonian physics is not settled and it didn't become settled, it was overturned. And the whole idea of science is a matter of questioning. And, and um, you know, the, 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 the lack of ability to do so is, is hugely deleterious to, you know, to advancing what we actually know and operate by, the rules. And it's, it's, it's a horrible uh, imposition on our freedoms. I, I totally agree. And, uh, and this whole concept of there being the science and uh, listening to people who start their sentences with phrases like science says uh, is completely false. Like right? true scientists who actually do this for a living uh, never say those comments, right? What they say is recent studies have suggested or uh, studies have shown the likelihood that, and then they'll say what they plan to say, but they'll never go and make these definitive assertions uh, in, in such a way that everything else must be false. Um, and, and when you hear that, I think that should set off some alarm bells in your mind because whoever is uttering those things either doesn't know what they're talking about 
or really thinks they know too much and is willing to silence everyone else around them. And those things are dangerous. I agree. So take us a little bit in, in your own personal path. Uh, what have been the upsides, the downsides? Uh, how have you, I assume you've had some of the slings and arrows of outrageous mis misfortune uh, thrown your way, um, because from what I understand, you are not afraid to speak your mind and, and discuss recent studies and so forth, rather than just apply or, excuse me, follow uh, sort of a misapplied dogma. Yeah, you know, what, what, I've, what I've tried to do all along, and, and I think it's part of the reason why I've avoided getting thrown into the, the mud pit of politics, is to avoid uh, shaming or naming or criticizing even individuals, but rather focusing on policy. So I don't go after individuals, I don't go after political parties, I don't go after uh, organizations uh, per se, I, I try to be critical of policies, of decisions, of language that's been used, regardless of who's saying it, and to mm -hmm. focus on those things. And so by doing so, I think I've, I've avoided a lot of the controversy. I think uh, there are certain news outlets that tend to not censor, that tend to be more willing to uh, you know, air ideas like mine or yours. And those uh, have, have oftentimes been associated with certain political uh, angles, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think it's unfortunate that uh, a lot of the traditional legacy media uh, has been up until very recently, or even now, unwilling to hear any alternative opinions. And so what's been happening is that a lot of people who have been free thinkers, who have been uh, pro-individual freedom, have been labeled uh, falsely as right-wingers um, or, you know, favoring a particular president over another, etc., and that's really, it's harmed the conversation and it's been nothing further from the truth, right? You have a lot of people irrespective of their political beliefs or backgrounds or any political affiliation at all, right? Who are all joined together and unified around this one idea that we need to have an open dialogue and, and freedom. And, and what's happened is you see a lot of people who had previously identified as members of one political party who were now, with, as they call themselves, politically homeless. Many people who now uh, have abandoned uh, what you know they considered the progressive uh, political ideologies and moved more toward the center or even toward what they consider the political right, and others who just don't care anymore about politics, right? Who really are now uh, focused on what are the policies, and I think that's where we should be. I think we should be looking at um, you know what are what are people's policies, what are they saying, and and criticize that uh, because what you realize is that nobody is totally right, and I think once we have a departure from this division along party or partisan lines, or even among which network you like to watch, uh, all of a sudden you become a more open thinker and you begin to become critical of everything around you. And I think there's nothing healthier than that. Right, well, I agree with you. I mean, I, just on my last episode, I mentioned that you know a lot of my friends classify themselves and I'm, I'm wondering whether I qualify as a JFK liberal, that in the era of JFK, you know, you're, yeah. you would be a liberal, but, but it's not so much one's views change, um, my wife is a professor of uh, the classics, you know, Roman and Greek and history and so forth. And, you know, she's always got an example. A lot of these divisions and, and problems are not new. They're, they're part of the human condition. Yeah. Um, and some of it has not so much to do left, right, so forth, it's in and out or in power, up and down, who's in power, who's not in power. And I think one of the, the commonalities of people in power is they like power or else they, they would be uh, doing something else perhaps. And, you know, some, some of these things I think have, you know, align with uh, keeping and maintaining power and, and not necessarily spreading that out, um, right or wrong. 
And I think, you know, part of the human mentality is you have a decision. And then if you were wrong, not necessarily, you know, own up to it. Um, I don't know if you found any of that going on. And do you get your, you know, frustrations? I mean, it's, it's good to be kind of above the fray as you are in a sense, um, but you must have to engage at certain points. I mean, there are, I think, political flashpoints that do fall on, you know, party lines or, or left-right kind of uh, sensibilities. Of course. And when that happens, I call it out, right? And, and, and you've seen, you know, in California, Governor Gavin Newsom, for example, who has really tried to make uh, make his policies of censorship of, of almost authoritarian rule become emblematic of his political party. I, I think that's wrong. I think you know the Democratic Party historically has not been one uh, that has been marked by any aspect of authoritarianism. It's been one that's focused on certain taxation policies, for example, and certain social policies, but has never really been one uh, that's focused on you know, overt government control. If anything, uh, historically, the Democratic Party has, has uh, wanted to have individual freedom uh, and has shied away from having government control over people's bodies, or so they claim. What's happening now is, is that we have a handful of leaders who, for their own political purposes, right, for the purpose of advancing their own political power, uh, where they currently are, as well as their future political ambitions. And it's clear that Governor Newsom has presidential ambitions uh, based on a lot of his recent actions, regardless of what he says. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're taking steps to try to uh, consolidate power and to try to define themselves and define, you know, even their own political party by a new set of ideologies that weren't there before. And, mm -hmm. and what that, I, I think to some degree it's worked because it's uh, strengthened their grip on the people they're in, they're ruling now, but at the same time, I also think long term it's going to backfire because people, especially people in American society, have a desire to have freedom and 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 will always gravitate toward individual freedom regardless of of where it's coming from. Uh, and if there are people who are spewing authoritarianism, ultimately that will backfire. And and I think we're seeing some examples of that with a lot of the political shifts that we've seen. Uh, in recent elections, and I think there's a lot more of that to come. So the the, the thing that is on my mind is is Bill, if I have the numbers correct, uh, 2098 uh, uh, um, in California, and I, I I'm wondering what what exactly that is. Uh, maybe you could tell our viewers a little bit about it because not mm -hmm. everyone here is Californian. Um, is it enacted in, already? How is it playing out? What are the challenges to it? And what does it mean for general medical care um, if doctors have to spout a state line? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me about this. This is one issue that I've been quite passionate about. And, and there are a large number of uh, physicians, as well as non-physicians, uh, community activists, regular citizens, and, and, and thankfully, lawyers who know how to navigate the legal system, uh, who are now challenging AB 2098 uh, in court. Uh, AB 2098 is... Uh, a COVID medical misinformation bill that was signed by Gavin Newsom, the governor, uh, in, in, the, in the late fall of 2022 and became law uh, just a handful of days ago when, when we had the new year. And what AB 2098 um, does is it threatens the medical license of any physician who is believed to be uh, giving COVID misinformation uh, to their patients during their care in a manner that causes harm. And what the definition of COVID misinformation is, uh, according to the text of AB 2098, is anything that goes against 
the generally accepted scientific consensus. Uh, what does that mean? That means whatever they say it is, uh, really, because there is no exact definition. And that's in part because the definition in science constantly evolves. But they want to set these arbitrarily uh, goalposts so they can uh, arbitrarily censor or, or even delete uh, individual physicians based on what they say. Now, there's been a little bit of a uh, misunderstanding among the public in terms of what that what AB 2098 can do. It cannot go after a physician for what they say uh, in the media, on social media, in private conversations, or to people who are not their own patients, who are under their specific care, right? This is really one that's about a physician and their patient who's under their care. And, and it, it does technically require there to be some sort of harm. Um, I don't think it's too early to have seen anyone be uh, prosecuted based on the text of this law, uh, but I can envision there being, um, you know, uh, people who begin to whistleblow on physicians who are willing to write uh, vaccine or mask exemption uh, documents for, for people, uh, people who are willing to uh, attribute certain medical problems that patients have, perhaps to a, one of the various COVID mitigation uh, factors, uh, doctors who may have a risk benefit decision with a patient uh, and in which they recommend perhaps not getting a vaccination because the current data don't show that the risk benefit profile works uh, in favor of getting a vaccine, right? And I can envision those things happening. Um, those conversations are really meant to be private between a physician and their patient, and they're meant to be customized, individualized based on what the physician understands of the patient's background. And ultimately, they're not meant for the physician to make any decision on behalf of the patient. They're made for the physician to give their own patient informed consent so the patient could decide ultimately what's best for themselves based on an understanding of the risks, benefits, and alternatives. Uh, AB 2098 is really meant to scare physicians into not even having those conversations by threatening their license, by saying, you know what, if a patient goes to to the medical board and reports you and says, you know what, you didn't, uh, you know, you said things that they believe to be false, uh, the government kind of come after you. And, and I think this is frightening because when you think about it, uh, a physician is, of all people, is supposed to be free to uh, give their opinion, their interpretation Absolutely. of what the scientific facts are, right? And this is why we have this concept of a second opinion. There's no such thing as a second fact, right? You shouldn't even have a second opinion if there were such a thing as absolute settled science, right? The reason why we get second opinions, third opinions, is that each physician may interpret things differently. And this is why patients are free to see multiple physicians to get different opinions. By saying that there's only one correct opinion, and it's whatever the governor says is, is outlandish, and there are multiple lawsuits uh, against this right now, a couple of big ones that have been filed already with some great plaintiffs who I know uh, who, are, who are also very active in the community here. Um, and I'm confident that on First Amendment grounds alone, uh, this is going to be struck down because it's, it's well, tough to imagine that any court will uphold this. Yeah, I had Dr. Aaron Cariotti uh, on about uh, five, six weeks ago, and uh, I believe he's working against this. Um, Correct. It, it's just, you know, horrible situations. Um, I, I am completely in accord with what you're saying. Uh, I see patients on a uh, part-time basis right now in primary care. And uh, there are five states, I believe, in the country that uh, maintain mask mandates for outpatient uh, physician offices. You know, even, you know, if you're seeing a dermatologist or something like that and, you know, nobody's, nobody's sick um, <clears throat> or a podiatrist or whatever. Uh, I went to the dentist today 
and maybe you could make a better argument for dent dentistry, but um, the, the, you know, everybody's masked for every problem. So if you, uh, I saw a nine-year-old uh, with an elbow problem and his, uh, say, you know, 38-year-old dad um, together and nobody's sick, both healthy, you know, both relatively young in the greater scheme of things, and everyone's masked. Um, doctor, patient, and it's not like you can't see somebody's elbow that way, but it's, there's, there's a, a detraction from the, um, the encounter, from getting to know the patient and being able to see visual cues. There's a comfort level for a nine-year-old to just have everybody be anonymous. I mean, we're having a face-to-face -face interview. I suppose we could, you know, cut, have cut this down. I, I think it'd be less interesting for the viewers um, for obvious reasons. We, we are reading faces. That's kind of like, I think a good fraction of our cerebral cortex is there just to recognize faces and emotions and, and moods and all that kind of stuff. It's hard for me to tell, um, you know, what is the underlying problem? A lot of time, there's a thing in medicine called, uh, you've probably heard of this doorknob syndrome, um, where mm -hmm. the doctor, you know, we talk about whatever the, the, the ward on your shoulder or something like that. The doctor touches the doorknob. It's like, oh, doctor, by the way. And there's that moment where they talk about the other problem. Maybe it's sexual or psychological. Or what they were actually there for. <laughs> yeah, emotional. And, and, and I think you've you don't get that moment of where you're going to trust the doctor, trust this, this guy uh, or gal um, or PA, whatever it is, um, if they're masked. You just haven't made that bond. That's my own personal feeling about it. And, and, and yet, I think California is one of those states. I think it's actually Washington, Washington State and five Northeast states, four Northeast states, the ones that have it. California has a modified version for everybody except children. So they have almost the same rule uh, for about masking. And so if you are going to look at the science of what misinformation is, it's very state by state thing. You know, the, the Dakotas uh, at one point had different masking regulations, North and South Dakota, and they're hard to tell. They're almost the same shape and same geography, same demographic, all that kind of stuff. And, and one had masks and one didn't. Now, now which one's acting scientifically? Well, in, in fact, as a, as a binary star, they're acting scientifically together because you can do experimentation. But there's this concept that in the midst of a, a pandemic, for instance, that you can actually discern and parse out science when it's when you, the only way to do science is to have experimentation in individual cases, you know, clinical trials uh, re repetitively and all that kind of stuff with controls. You can't do that in a population case and in the pandemic. So the whole concept of having, you know, science in this type of arrangement is is really, you know, a, 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 a mirage. And then, you know, obviously by extension, you could you could put this for other things that the state might see as having an interest, you know, whether it's, you know, our current, uh, you know, the, the, the gender dysphoria realm or any other things that, that kind of parse along or, or split along political lines in a sense, um, you know, the state will have a way of, of, of quashing doctors. And so then the, the getting back to the original thing about, you know, what is science and whether science is settled, we always hear that 97% of scientists say X and you can't disagree with them. Well, I, I think we have a sense now why 97, you know, 98% of, of any group says something because there's there are pressures if, if you don't. Um, and, and so to that point, have you felt pressures uh, to say or not say things? And, and how have you, you know, on a personal basis, you know, for you and your family um, navigated this whole um, morass, say, of, of um, regulations, you know, restrictions, uh, vaccinations and so forth, if you care to touch on any of that? Yeah. Uh, so, so first, with respect to backlash, my answer is no. Uh, and I think it's largely because I'm, I'm respectful to people and I'm respectful to people I disagree with. So I won't go and attack them or call names or uh, make ad hominem uh, attacks on, on people. If I disagree, I'll do so politely. And I, and I, and I think what, what I see in return 
is that people tend to disagree with me politely. And, and uh, on those rare occasions when they don't, what happens is people come to my defense. Um, so I don't really have to do anything. And those people usually will, will shut up because ultimately when you have an open discussion, like Twitter's been open recently after the Elon Musk uh, takeover, what you see is that people who spew nonsense or hatred or things that just are embarrassing end up becoming embarrassed uh, because they're allowed to say these silly things. And then uh, they'll either just self-censor because they're clearly not getting any traction or people will uh, pile on top of them. And so I think that the system kind of works well when mm -hmm. there's a very free and open uh, exchange of ideas. And so I, I think by, by being uh, respectful, being focused on facts, being focused on uh, you know, core ethical principles. Um, you know, I may be wrong at times. I I will admit when I'm wrong, and I, I, I'm frequently wrong, in fact, but I like to get, get feedback from people. I appreciate when people write to me individually or even comment uh, and say, hey, um, here's why I think you're wrong. Maybe you should consider editing your comment. I love that kind of feedback, right? Because yeah. that, that's how I learn. That's how I improve. At the same time, I think when people, uh, you know, make, make sorts of attacks, that they just make themselves look dumb and ultimately... Uh, you know, they don't get any traction. And so when you have, like I said, an open uh, dialogue like you now do on Twitter, um, you, you, you begin to settle out the, the, um, the, well, the junk uh, from I, the good. I, I agree with you and I, I admire that. I, I aspire to that. I don't think, I think I'm probably more polarizing than you are. You know, I probably run a little bit more, um, you know, hot and cold perhaps. Um, and it's, uh, I'm, you know, I grew up kind of in a pretty argumentative family. Uh, we loved each other, but, you know, we, you know, we argued and, and uh, it just always seemed natural. You know, my, when I met and married my wife, you know, I think a lot of her family was, you know, kind of like, you know, in a, in a very, you know, tighter bandwidth of emotions. Um, and, and so be it, you know, I, I kind of get things in my mind, they get over them and their, their method, uh, you know, I don't want to be mis, you know, quoted here, but, you know, I think they tend to, to brew and stew a little bit over things more. I think, you know, discussion mm -hmm. is, is the way we kind of make decisions. Um, and I, I appreciate, I, I actually, you know, I, I sense what you're saying about yourself. And I, I think that's that's really important. But, um, you know, there were times, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the the change in Twitter. There are times at, during which it, it, it's, it felt like we were kind of swimming in a tunnel and the end, either end, didn't seem necessarily accessible and there's the possibility of drowning in the middle. Uh, so there are times uh, during our lockdowns and in other countries, which I think experience it worse than we did, Australia, New Zealand, uh, you know, countries are our allies, you know, the, the ones we went to wars with, and we saw as kind of the Anglophone uh, democracy, the bastions of democracy, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, um, uh, you know, they, I think they, they turned, they had a very, um, you know, they basically had, uh, as parliamentary systems, they had tyranny of the majority in a sense. And, and, and they were able to do, boom, kind of lock things down. So kids couldn't go swimming, kids could, you know, go skate. I mean, here we had a lot of that too, but it was worse in, in terms of the ability or the inability to actually have that expression. And um, I'm assuming, uh, making an assumption from uh, your, your name, um, Human Hamati, that uh, I'm imagining you're from Iran. And yes. there, there are places uh, out there where people can't have uh, the free discussion. I assume your family came here to get that. I'm wondering uh, whether that you, whether that gives you a perspective on on you know a lot of a lot of people appreciate democracy the best. Or when I say I say democracy, I mean open discussion 
and say Republican representative, uh, you know, freedom and so forth are people from say, you know, behind the iron curtain, such as it was, and, and in other situations where they actually had genuine repression. So during the times that we had, you know, aspects of that, um, how do you maintain equanimity and 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 hope and and the, the kind of the freshness of your your thoughts and and generosity? Oh well, I I think you know you you hit the nail on the head when you talk about uh, you know the immigrant background. Uh, when you look at the people who were out there uh, the most, who are the most vocal, uh, who've been fighting a lot of uh, this nonsense since it began in March of 2020. Uh, up until now, uh, a lot of them have names like mine, right? A very, a lot of them are immigrants. A lot of them are people who are who are here from outside the U.S. who came to the U.S. specifically seeking freedom, and people who have a perspective, who understand, even if they didn't come from an authoritarian dictatorship, uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, came here because they ha had this notion of achieving the American dream, and part of the American dream involves almost full freedom, right? Freedom to say and do as you want, as long as it's not gonna overtly harm somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then the, we're also the most sensitive to those freedoms being jeopardized or taken away uh, because we know exactly what it can be like on the other side. We've been there, we've seen it, and we know how quickly freedoms can be lost. You know, when I, when I was born uh, in Iran, it was pre-revolution. Um, and, uh, you know, when I was a kid, the revolution occurred and all of a sudden a country that was very free for the most part very mm -hmm. open people were allowed to say what they wanted they were allowed to sing and dance and congregate and go on dates and and whatever uh, all of a sudden those freedoms were gone in a matter of days all right and so we know how how fragile freedom is and we know that you have to sometimes really stand up and and fight for it fight doesn't mean using violence it just means uh getting people around you to become aware of what's happening um, and to do something about it or, or to simply not even comply when when the government uh, rules become outlandish. And, and, and so you see that happening. Right. And there's there's a they're very you know, it, it's, it's a disproportionate number of people who were from other parts of the world uh, who were actually leading the charge uh, to, to try to bring some sanity to the to the covid uh, debate and discussion uh, nationally. And, and I think that's that's important. Right. I think that's part of the advantage of having immigrants. Uh, in this country, especially those who really escaped from tyranny themselves, is that we do bring that perspective here. Because once you're here, and once you've grown up here or, or been here for generations, uh, you know, you begin to sometimes take things for granted. You be begin to assume that freedom is a constant, uh, but it's not, right? Freedom is really something that I think any government is going to ultimately want to take away, right? As you said, the people who go into power are people who like power. And people who are in power like to maintain power, and they can most easily do that by putting controls on the people. Uh, and so it's up to the people to constantly be keeping the government in check to be sure that they don't overextend those uh, controls and those powers over the people so that we maintain that balance where you have a government that does its job, but at the same time allows the free people to have individual freedom. Um, when I saw that our, you know, the, our local beaches here in Los Angeles were fenced off and you had police, armed police, guarding them so that you, you couldn't, for a period of several months, go to the beach without getting arrested. There's a problem with that. Now, I badly wanted to go to the beach. And so I, I dressed like a homeless person. I actually deliberately, as an experiment, decided to see what it would be like if I pretended to be homeless. Because in, in Los Angeles, uh, you know, homeless are basically immune uh, from prosecution uh, for, for almost every crime. <laughs> 
And so I decided to do an experiment. And so I dressed like a homeless person and I, I, you know, I've grown out a long beard uh, as many did during COVID. And I went down to the beach um, in Santa Monica and, and guess what? I, I snuck around the fence in, in full view of the police. And for the first and probably only time in my life, I had the entirety of Santa Monica beach all to myself uh, because no one else was around there it was fenced off. Oh my and God. when you see something like that happening, you realize how crazy it's gotten. In, uh, in Malibu, which is not too far from, from us, um, you know, there was a lone paddleboarder, a guy who just went in the middle of the ocean paddleboarding away from any other humans. And right, they, they, sent, uh, they, they sent a police boat, yeah, right, with lights and, and everything Black on, boat. and they arrested this person. They pulled him out of the water, handcuffed him, and took him away because they, somehow this guy posed a danger uh, to people around him. In my own neighborhood, people stopped walking in the sidewalk for fear of getting COVID by passing someone else. And so people started walking in the middle of the street. Well, they haven't stopped walking in the middle of the street. And so you get people who get constantly are, are, are at risk of getting run over by a car because even though there's a perfectly good sidewalk right there, they walk in the middle of the street. The problem is everyone else is doing the same. And so now your chance of walking past another person is actually higher when you walk in the middle of the street. It makes no sense, but people continue uh, to do those things out of habit at this point. And, and the worst, I think, is, is what they did to the kids. There's so many kids now who, who've gotten conditioned, little kids who are three or four years old who's, who've spent the vast majority of their lives masked by force, who don't know it any other way, and who now won't leave home unless a mask is put on their face. They want the mask, they demand it, not because they are trying to protect themselves from a virus, that's not why. It's only because that they don't know any other way. They're, you know, like a dog that's been trained to ask, you know, for its uh, collar or leash to be put on when they walk out of the house. The same exact thing has happened to little kids. It's tragic, and I, I think it's frankly criminal. Yeah, no, I, th I think you're 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 right on target there. I'm just gonna only because on the top of my head, I apologize, but I was at the dentist today, as I mentioned. I, I mentioned, you know, I, I was asking the office. Um, about their masking and, you know, they're working under state control. So there was really, really very little discussion there, but previously they hadn't. I mean, the, the dentist always wore one um, because that he's the dentist, he's working on you. Um, but uh, we, we traded stories uh, and I was mentioning, uh, you know, it, I, I, we should have names for the various phases of our, of our recent past, but one of the dark episodes of, of COVID, um, everyone's kind of zombified a little bit. And I was, I, my street's pretty wide streets, quiet. I walk in, a lot of times in the street with the dog because I don't want him smelling or, or peeing on other people's property. So when he's on the asphalt, he doesn't pay attention. You know, we go to the park or whatever. And, you know, we go to someplace where it's, it's you know, the woods and so forth. And, and but in the meal, so I'm, I'm in the habit of kind of walking in the street and there's a woman on the sidewalk. She's e easily like 15, uh, 20 feet aside from me. So, we, you know, as we're passing, we're not even close. And uh, she sees me and I'm not wearing a mask outdoors on a nice day and all that kind of stuff. And she she kind of like, you know, points and so forth. And 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 she's moving away from me like as if I'm the zombie apocalypse impersonated. And she winds up tripping on the on the edge of the grass, you know, mm -hmm. and, and she stumbles. And I, I start to go over to help her. She's like, and that's even worse. Um, she wasn't going to have that. And I was I was mentioning that story. And, and uh, uh, one of the people in the office said, you know, I, I was driving along and woman, you know, she tumbled off the side of the road, whatever, uh, cars there. And I pulled over to, you know, see what was going on. I forget exactly what the incident was. And, and he gets out of the car and, and she's like, starts screaming the same thing. Like, no, stay away from me. And, and people, 
you know, abjured help. They, they, uh, you know, got in the situation where they're in their, I mean, it, it's really a sad thing that people, it's just, you can get people really scared and you can do things to them that it just, it kind of boggles the mind. I mean, I, I think, you know, we have all the, you know, library of Congress at our fingertips and, and all the information we want up to date and, and, and people, you know, have videos all over the world. So, but, but it, it's kind of been startling to me how um, easy it is to fool everybody. Um, you know, this idea of wearing a mask outdoors or masking your young kids, um, you know, and, and the, the risk stratification, as you mentioned earlier, um, was enormous. I think it was almost literally, uh, you know, four to five orders of magnitude, uh, a good safe five orders of magnitude for a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old and an 80-year-old, uh, if the eight-year-old's healthy and the 80-year-old's on a number of medications. And, and, and so to treat them equally, you know, in terms of masks or vaccines or any of those things, uh, was you know a, a vast uh, overkill, uh, no pun intended, and absurdity um, on a, on a home basis. I mean, ha how did you know how, how have you navigated on behalf of your family and your relatives and so forth, both older and younger, and say age? Yeah. Um, you know, our, our kids, uh, you know, are younger, and and uh, when COVID hit, they were at a uh, preschool that uh, a, a private preschool that uh, was very much uh, following. The, the, the government consensus at the time. And so they shut down, didn't give any refunds. You know, they did like an hour or so a Zoom school, if, if that's what you want to call it, but doesn't really work for a three-year-old mm -hmm. uh, or, or younger. Uh, it just doesn't. Um, you know, the, the, so, so we were, you know, we were left kind of out in the cold. Uh, and then when they finally did return, you know, they treated the kids as if they were radioactive. And so they were uh, you know, they they put our two kids who were three years apart in age in the same class completely inappropriately because they were worried that if they were in different classes, they doubled their exposure to deadly pathogens that may kill everybody. And then on top of that, they made them wear masks at all times, wouldn't allow them to consume any food or drink unless they were outside, far away from any other people, you know, totally alone, and they only take off their mask in between sips and bites and then quickly put it back on and then they wouldn't allow parents even to come onto campus we had to parents would have to mask up drive up to the school text the teacher the teacher would come fully gowned and masked sometimes with a face shield uh and i saw one with gloves take the kid out of the car with it once the kid was fully masked as well and then race away as if the car is going to blow up and then pickup was the same way it just none of this made any sense. And so, my, you know, we questioned the school. You just questioned, you know, we didn't even complain. We said, you know, are there any, what's the basis for this? Is, is there any rationale? Uh, you know, and they, they said, yes, we have a committee. We said, who's on the committee? And it was, uh, you know, people who were not uh, physicians or scientists in any way, shape or form. There was one, uh, uh, one kind of, some kind of healer uh, on the committee. That was the closest you had to a medical professional. They were taking this person's word over that of, you know, two physician parents or anyone else for that matter. It was just ridiculous. So guess what happened? They, they kicked us out. They kicked our kids out. They said, we're not uh, welcome there anymore. Uh, and, and they even said, you can't even come onto campus to pick up their belongings. You have to go uh, to the security guard booth. That's where their stuff will be waiting. As if, oh you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to, you know, harm people by showing up to campus to pick up our kids, you know, lunchbox or jacket or whatever else they had there. It's just ridiculous. And so what happened after that, this was a blessing in disguise. We found a preschool for them uh, that has 
uh, 12 foot high block walls, uh, a large opaque metal gate with a guy uh, heavily armed uh, in front whose job it is not to let anyone in from the outside uh, Mm -hmm. that said kids don't have to mask, teachers don't have to mask, people can do whatever they want. And guess what happened? People were fine. And if the health inspector showed up, they would tell them to get lost. And it was wonderful. And and you know what? They, they they went out of their way to to keep allow the kids to have a normal life. And thanks to those people uh, at that school, our kids had a very normal life. On top of that, we allowed them, we encouraged them to have play dates with other kids. Sure, mm-hmm. if a kid had a cold or flu or COVID or whatever, mm-hmm. they wouldn't go out and play dates. But that right. was already happening pre-COVID. So we just kept a normal life and everyone was fine. People make fun of uh, religion as being non-scientific, but I have to say that the religious schools uh, throughout COVID did far better than the the the, the science-based um, agnostic uh, public schools Correct. and so forth. Um, and 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 yet, you know, we're supposed to consider the science when this was done all done side by side. Locally, uh, Catholic schools um, did not do any of this stuff, and I have not, you know, noticed a vast diminishment, you know, uh, of, of Catholics locally, um, and. Frankly, I want I'm, I uh, have online, you know, an interview with a teacher at one of these schools, um, and her experience. She she went from she had the same experience, but as a teacher, going from uh, a masked school to a you know a free school. Uh, if you ever seen the uh, that series, The Man in the High Castle, yeah, um, you know, there's there's kind of like the, at that point, I guess there are three Americas: there's Japanese controlled, uh, Nazi controlled, and, and some kind of like free inter interland of of yes. kind of. Uh, you know, call a cowboy freedom America. And and so people, uh, they, they don't go geographically so much. I mean, maybe it's just a mile or two, but there's like different worlds. And these, these worlds are coinciding. And yet it doesn't seem to explode anybody else's mind that they're not dropping dead, you know. And and over and over again, my video cast, I started doing this uh, kind of, you know, radio free Corona. Uh, that's actually a better name than what I came up with. I should have go back in time and fix that. But, but I, I basically did radio free Corona because, the, the my kids are older they're 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 men and they're adults and so forth and they're own, their own households um so i didn't have the school thing per se uh, we have a, a goddaughter uh, we've been watching and she's gone through a lot of that stuff um but uh you know it's just an amazement uh, oh i was going to say that i kind of got ostracized from the groups i was in not the same thing as your school experience but i, I have a squash player so i have a tennis and squash club and another tennis club and this and that and some other groups and, you know, civic things and a religious congregation. And, and all, I mean, you know, I hate to say this because it sounds arrogant, but, you know, I'm used to being right. Like I, I score really high on my tests and, and had no problem in schools, you know, things, you know, I can kind of figure things out pretty well, computer savvy and all that stuff. I, I learned how to read. <laughs> I still remember how to read and haven't forgotten how to read. And it's like, you know, these things are all going on simultaneously, like the North Dakota, South Dakota, there are all kinds of experiments going on at the time. So the real science, such as it was, was population science. So like Sweden versus Belgium and, and you know, or, or sub-Saharan Africa versus Europe. I mean, there are lots of different experiments going on simultaneously. Like the, the virus doesn't seem to have done anything, to, you know, to sub-Saharan Africa. You don't hear about anything, you know, and it, there could be reasons. It could be the population populations, you know, are younger. They don't have the same elderly cohort. Uh, it could be that they have the windows open because it's warm. I mean, there could be a number of reasons. And they're unvaccinated. They have not dropped dead. You know, there are a lot of countries. I, I and they're of low socioeconomic background as well. Yeah, right? and, 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 and so, so maybe yeah. I, my own personal theory is they've got bigger problems. They're not, they don't have time to fuss over this. You know, if you're in Haiti 
an example I heard in this video, this is a crazy video because they're wearing, they have these, they mask themselves up. They, they, one's a clown, one's a chimp. So it looks, it looks idiotic, but they're making a lot of sense. So they're talking back and forth and it's ludicrous. Uh, uh, this is my, my critic, my dog. Um, and uh, uh, they're talking about the island of Hispaniola, which is Haiti and Dominican Republic. So I, I, I'd never used that example. I wish I had. Um, and, and same population, basically, same size, you know, very similar size. And, and Haiti is like, you know, nil, like 11% vaccinated and had fewer fatalities than Dominican Republic and, and so forth. There's a lot of these things, you know, but the, the, the science such as it is shows that there's not that much science going on as far as the PPI and all these other, you know, kind of lockdowns and, and mask downs and all these kind of things have been happening. And, and yet it's really hard to dissect the thing out. People have this kind of big social impetus uh, to cohese, to, to kind of bring together and, and do what other people are doing. I feel it myself. You know, I've been to, um, uh, you know, a congregation and, and, and at a time, you know, they got the windows open, it's freezing outside and, you know, they're going to get colds in other ways. Um, mm -hmm. and, and yet you, you have, you know, anyway, I kind of had to take a break from that stuff because, um, I, I'm probably, again, I'm probably a little more confrontational than you are and I apologize, but you know, that's what kind of way I was stamped, but, um, you know, it's just kind of a funny thing. And, and so a lot of this, my talking this out kind of came from getting shouted down by these other groups. You know, I had letters and it all started out very congenial, convivial and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, like our tennis club kept everyone from playing tennis outdoors. You know, it's like, crazy. Uh, please. And, and we have, we have like MD, MD, PhDs, MD, PhD, MPH. We got a whole bunch of like, you know, suffixes, uh, you know, letter suffixes after people's names in the Tlamach and lawyers and, you know, fund managers. We had a lot of educated, super educated people playing squash and tennis. And, and I was kind of like the, this island, um, you know, maybe a couple other people who didn't really want to say it, um, but in the letters and so forth. And, and, you know, so I got shouted down. I had, I'm going to maybe give you a tiny anecdote, but, but after this whole thing happened, a guy who's, I'm more politically on the right, he's politically on the left. And he says, you know, I hate, I hate that I had to agree with you. But but you were right about everything, and it's like you know, dude. I mean, that's awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. But you know, I wish you'd said something. You know, it's like you know, I could have mm -hmm. used a little bit of moral support. But there's a lot of this. So I, after after the fact, I'm hearing about it, everyone's like, yeah, you know, I was with you the whole time. It's like, well, that's awesome. But you know, at at, at the point where it matters, you have to stand up. Um, and I I appreciate that you do that. Um, that's an awesome thing. You know, we we're just meeting today for the first time. Um, but I I like to commend and and um, applaud the people who, who do that and take it upon themselves. Because I don't think it's needed. Well, thank you. You're doing the same. <laughs> so. Well, on, on a minor way. But, um, you know, that, that's, anyway, I, I, I know you have some other, um, you know, things to do today, uh, busy guy such as you are. Um, perhaps I'm going to have the final, final word, but maybe you'd like to sum up uh, maybe a, a note of, of what people should do in such circumstances. What, what is your advice? Uh, how, how do you get on? And, uh, you know, what are your kind of general, uh, I don't know, gestalt and, and feelings about how people can cope with circumstances such as this when they occur. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. And I guess I'll finish up by, by saying that uh, I think the lesson that we've learned here is that uh, we have to speak up. Uh, we can't be afraid. And I think the longer we silence ourselves out of fear or out of uncertainty, uh, the tougher it's going to be to bail ourselves out of the mess that that's that's going to be inevitably created. And so uh, I think we have to encourage those around us to speak up. I think we have to set examples for others by speaking up and speaking up loudly. 
uh, we can still be respectful, but at the same time, speaking up loudly and teaching our kids to do that, uh, you know, teaching our neighbors to do that and, and trying to really uh, constantly question everything around us. And if we don't, uh, we risk losing the very freedoms that we, uh, you know, so cherish and I think which we still continue to take for granted in this country. Well, that's true. And I, I, I know you have the last word, but, you know, I like to point out my wife's, again, the classicist, you know, the, I think the natural default position of mankind is, is in bondage. Um, and as wonderful as uh, her Greeks and Romans were, you know, if certain that there was only a certain fraction of citizens, kind of like in Kuwait, um, perhaps today, that, you know, they're actual genuine citizens and actually, you know, have the full rights. And then there's a lot of, you know, Kuwait doesn't quite have slave labor, but Qatar and all these places, you know, there's clearly a class system and a caste system mm -hmm. as well. And, and, you know, it, it, the, the liberal arts um, got its name in, in Rome as those um, things that, you know, rhetoric, uh, reading, writing, and so forth that, mm -hmm. that you needed. It was the trivium, actually. The trivium was the most important. There were the, the, the three, the trivium, um, the most important things for a free man to have and maintain. And, and they didn't have um, the internet, from what I understand, um, sad as it is to imagine. Um, but but they, they needed reading, you know, rhetoric, discussion, and writing, to, and, and, and rhythm, you know, arithmetic, mathematics. They needed to know basically the things that they could, you know, suss out and figure out the, the political and, and um, you know, uh, dynamic and strategic landscape. And we, we actually all have it. Almost everybody you'll meet on a professional basis has a liberal arts education on some level. And, and whether those arts have, have been maintaining the liberating uh, aspect and whether liberals in this from the same root word, you know, care about freedom is an open question. So um, I appreciate your time in this and I'm not gonna keep you much longer, but I do like, as I always do to give a blurb for myself and I apologize uh, for involving you here, but now uh, this is my book, Overturning Zika, uh, The Pandemic That Never Was. It's uh, being published in Brazil um, by a major publisher in the next couple of weeks, I believe. Um, it has not quite permeated the consciousness here because it's a past pandemic. We didn't really have Zika here, uh, but there's a lot to know in its disappearance because it was there and then it's gone. Uh, it was a big pandemic and everyone's like all roiled up about it. You couldn't uh, fly to, to Rio and all this kind of stuff. And they had a uh, you know, quarter million troops on the streets in Brazil, um, a lot of stuff going on. And so it was kind of, you know, I don't think it was a test run for COVID-19 because nobody knew that was coming but there were a lot of the same things happening and the science was never really there. That's why it never recurred. And thank God for that because microcephaly is a horrible thing for a, you know any given child. It's extremely limiting and worse than COVID in a sense. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so um, uh, I'm gonna let you go. Um, Great. And end the broadcast unless you have any last, last, last words. No, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate well, it and uh, happy to do it again. All right, perfect. All right, Randy, take care. Yeah. Thank you.